Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a program about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Lucy Foley, a British author of contemporary, historical and crime fiction. And she's probably best known for her crime thrillers The Hunting Party and The Guest List. After studying English literature at Durham University and University College London, Lucy became a fiction editor and alongside her day job in publishing, she wrote her debut novel, The Book of Lost and Found. Two more historical fiction novels followed and then she switched to writing crime, achieving significant success with her first thriller, the Hunting Party, which was a gripping whodunit set in the Scottish wilderness. And this was followed by The Guest List, which was about a wedding set off an island off the coast of Ireland. Her latest book is called The Paris Apartment. To date, she has sold over one million copies and her thrillers have hit the New York Times and the Sunday Times bestseller lists and also shortlisted for the Crime and Thriller Book of the Year Award at the British Book Awards. Lucy, welcome to Ireland. Oh, thanks for having me. And I know you have a, you've a bit of a grow for Ireland. So much so that you just decided to set a book here. I do. Well, I've got like, quite a lot of family here, actually. So my dad's side of the family is all Irish. Um, and so uh, my cousins, my grandfather actually originally came from um, County Galway. Oh, OK. So that, the Foley side the is, Foley the, is side. the Irish side. Yeah, exactly. And you have an Irish passport then? I do now. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great thing to have. Good. Well, we're delighted to have you. Thank you. <laughs> so English has always been a thing then because you that's what you studied in college. Yeah, I mean, I think I've just always been a reader. You know, I came to writing from reading um, and just always wanted to sort of work with books as closely as possible. So studied them, then worked in publishing with them and now we write them. And the publishing aspect. So was that a calling for you because you loved reading? Oh, absolutely. I just wanted to find a way that I could work with books every day. Um, And I realised actually recently that I've worked in sort of quite a few different areas of the industry. So um, I originally worked for a literary agent. Um, I've worked for a literary scout. Uh, I worked as a fiction editor. I worked in a bookshop. So I've kind of been around the houses. Really, you've been been everywhere. And in terms of all of that then, obviously you were seeing so many drafts of books and manuscripts coming in. Like, what was the quality like? Well, I think, I mean, obviously brilliant. You know, you could see the potential in them, but there was something kind of very accessible about... um, you know, seeing books come in in this sort of first draft uh, state, you know, when they where they needed a lot of work. And I think that made me realise, actually, I could have a go at this myself. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect right from the off. Um, There's an editing process that happens. Uh, So that kind of made it feel much less intimidating. And what genres were you working with when you were editing? Well, all sorts, really. Uh, So when I was a fiction editor, editorial assistant I was working with some sci-fi and fantasy um, some women's fiction uh, some historical uh, and then when I was editing myself I was working with a lot of YA so young adult Mm -hmm. um, and women's fiction so brilliant cross-section though yeah, it was great fun. And and I think it gave me a really um, good grounding in the importance, you know, especially working kind of sci-fi and fantasy and the importance of world building, which we talk about a lot in sci-fi and fantasy, but is actually really important for any genre. You know, create your world, sort of make it live and breathe on the page. And as you said, then you saw it as a route into writing. So when did you start? 
I started uh, when I was about 25, I think, um, and I would go home and, and work on this sort of, I didn't even really know it was a book then, I just had these characters and I wanted to sort of play around with them and write little um, pieces from their perspectives and, and so I'd go home and work on them or I'd work in my lunch breaks uh, on, on this thing um, and, and just had fun with it. And did you think it would go anywhere? Not really until Sonia had quite a lot of a lot of writing, a lot of words <laughs> on the page. What do it, I do with this? And a shape was forming and and I think then I started I actually started saying to family members, I'm writing a book because I thought if I started telling them that I was doing it, I would have to finish. You know, they would keep asking me about it. And, and it made it real probably. It made it real, yeah. So you did finish it? Eventually, yes. Took a while, did it? Yeah, it did. Um, actually, I think I would have, I, I'd probably still be editing it now if uh, my husband, he was very good, my boyfriend at the time, he said, um, I'm going to give you a deadline. You have to send it out by this date because I feel like you're just fiddling with it now and you've sort of got a bit scared. Um, and so I did. And in terms of sending it out, obviously you worked in publishing though, so you had contacts. So what way did you approach it? I had contacts, but I was really junior and I really, really didn't want to use any of them because... Um, you know, I was terrified. It's quite a small industry. I was terrified of failure. So I sent it out only to agents that I hadn't had any kind of professional contact with, um, but agents that I'd sort of admired from afar. And I I knew I, I loved their kind of lists of authors. And you got a yes? I did, yes. Which is brilliant. So that was for your first historical book. And why did you go down the historical genre route? I think as a as a writer, I've always tried to write the books that I would want to read. And at the time, I was really into to my historical fiction. Um, I, I mean, I, I still love it. Um, I read kind of widely across genres. But I, I just, I really wanted to, to read, I suppose, a sort of multi-generational sort of family saga, mystery, sort of spanning the 20th century. And, and that's what I set out to, to write. So you wrote three of them in the end. Did you, did you have a three book deal for it or how did that work? I had um, a two book deal and then I had another two book deal. So there is a fourth historical. Oh, really? Still I probably shouldn't admit this. That has never <laughs> been written. We just don't talk about it. Right. Because, <laughs> and the reason is you switched to crime. So yes. like, I mean, from historical, now to be fair, with one or two of the, the historical books, you wrote there was a little bit of a mystery element mm. to it so obviously there was a bit of a love there for for crime or mystery shall we say in some way shape or form definitely and writing characters that hopefully as the reader you kind of love to hate and writing characters with sort of dark secrets and kind of things in their pasts and 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 I think gradually probably I was going darker and darker and do, can you remember making that switch in your head and going actually I want to write contemporary and I want to write darker it wasn't really a conscious decision it sort of in a way it felt a little bit like writing the first book all over again because it was sort of a side hustle like I wanted to have a go at sort of writing this contemporary take on a golden age murder mystery um and so I was working on it alongside the third historical really um but it just felt it felt so I loved writing the historicals but it felt so liberating to write in this contemporary voice and it was quite raw and I could be quite sweary and it just had a lot of fun with it so so in terms of a publisher then for that, did you did you stay with the same publisher or did you get a new publishing deal? So I was lucky enough that um, uh, same publisher wanted it, same editor in fact, so we've worked together and across all And they haven't asked for the historical six, one yet, have they? She hasn't asked, which I think, I think is helpful that she's also edited the, 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 the crime. Um, but we did have this sort of, we flirted with the idea of sending it out under a nom de plume, all of that. Um, but no, in the end, same publisher, same editor. And so we have a really kind of trusting editorial relationship at this point. 
And in terms of writing it then as well, did you find, did you write it quicker or faster than the historical? Quicker. Really? Definitely quicker. Really? I wrote a lot of it in my notebook. Um, I actually... In your some, notebook? In as my in notebook. paper and pen? So paper and pen. <laughs> um, just kind of dashing it off because I wanted it to feel, because obviously it's that first person point of view, point of view. it's very confessional. Um I wanted it to feel sort of raw. I didn't want it to feel too kind of shaped. Um, so writing it in the notebook really helped. I also just dictated some of it. I brought some um, really? dictation software and and did it via that. I mean, it was terrible. Like it sort of transcribed lots of words wrong. But um, but that as well, like just getting getting the words down that way felt quite freeing. And it was a huge success. I mean, the hunting parties, we said it's set in, in Scotland. Very much a locked room mystery because it's a group of friends who go up to celebrate New Year's Eve and they get, oh, they get snowed in. <laughs> they can't get out, but then we have a dead body. So who did it, obviously? And that's what we wait until the end of the book to find out. So you, you enjoyed that locked room mystery scenario. Oh, totally. I think there's something about kind of ring fencing your characters, putting them under the microscope. And then also, um, you know, these are characters that are all quite entitled. They're all quite used to their sort of creature comforts. They're being connected on their mobiles, all of that. So taking them away from that and putting them somewhere really raw and wild and sort of seeing what that environment does to them what it sort of brings out in them something animal you know beneath the surface and also kind of forcing them to look too closely at themselves too closely at one another you know I think things happen in an environment like that that just wouldn't happen you know if they were all in London you know just hanging out Um, so it brings up some dark stuff and then the book just did phenomenally well I know. It was amazing. <laughs> it was it was it was a really nice surprise. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice great. <laughs> and were you like I, I mean were you genuinely shocked? Totally. Yeah, totally. Um and it was just it was just so exciting kind of having lots of new readers and and just having that experience and yeah um I've done a lot of events in the past where you know three people would show up and one of them would be my husband and another would be like someone from the publisher so yeah it was it was a really fun ride so did you feel the pressure then for the second one well not really simply because I was on quite short deadlines so I think by the time the hunting party had actually published I'd almost finished the guest list so right. I was sort of I was just so sort of wrapped up in the edit for that you know um but but luckily I never felt that sort of oh you know I need to go away and write something um it was and done. the guest list is the one that's set on an island off the coast of Ireland yes I love it and again another similar locked room scenario as in mm. they all go to the island for a wedding desperate storm these storms come all the time and uh, they're all trapped and they can't get off we have a dead body we don't even find out who the dead body is until until the end of the book so again similar setup mm. obviously different characters but you know was it a case of, of it's not broke don't fix it or just you just had you wanted to get it out of your head I think funny enough in a way I think of them as kind of sister books the hunting party and the guest list and I think the hunting party was all about friends um, the guest list was a little bit more about family um, and friends and kind of old friends but there was sort of something I I still wanted to explore there it felt like I hadn't quite exhausted that sort of seam of material and inspiration so that was that was sort of what I was trying to do with the second and that's where the love of Ireland came out as well your descriptions and everything were so so evocative and and perfect and now we have the Paris apartment so slightly different though it's not you're in an apartment in Paris with with the with the setup and they can go outside they're allowed Mm. it's not as as locked as the previous one so why did you want to just change the setting a bit this time oh 
yeah, I felt I was ready to do something completely different. Well, not completely different. Obviously, um, you've got that kind of closed circle setup, but I wanted to sort of have my cake and eat it. I wanted a sort of bigger urban canvas um, against which I could set it and, and also kind of explore the challenges that would throw up. You know, it did make it in some ways more challenging ring fencing those characters making them feel isolated um but I also really wanted to sort of explore the city the grime beneath the guilt you know that kind of perfect facade that Paris presents you know what is actually going on in the kind of underbelly and what I love about the 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 three books is your setup because you set it up in such a way that everyone is a suspect so as a reader you're going "Mm, mm, could be them could be them could be them (laughs) so how do you approach that sort of that plotting Gosh, um, I mean, it's quite organic. Like I start with a bit of a plan because I feel like I need something to get me going. I need to feel like I've got a bit of a roadmap. Um, otherwise, I'd be totally lost. But really, um, you know, as soon as I start writing, things start changing. The characters grow as you're writing. You know, you have a kind of clear idea of them in your head at the beginning. And then you realise as you start writing, you kind of, it sounds a bit naff, but you sort of learn more about them. You kind of get to know them better and they start driving the plot. Um, and you sort of of start to uncover their secrets as it were and, and think of new secrets for them and, and it's funny because they're nearly labelled in a way you know it's like the watchful concierge this is in relation to the, the Paris apartment the scorned lover the prying journalist the naive student and the unwanted guest so you you you've all of these characters and, and you're trying to develop a I suppose a personality for each of them is it difficult then to to make sure that their individual voice is heard and they don't end up sounding very alike really difficult and I think um, one of the things I find hardest as a writer is um, what is actually on the book uh, sorry what is actually on the page versus what is in my head you know I think that's always the sort of um, you know that's always the the, the question um, you you know, as the as the author, you have such a clear idea of everything in your head, but you actually have to make sure that you've put that down on the page for the reader because that's all they've got to go on. And so I can sort of hear these characters' voices. They sound really distinct to me. You know, I feel I would recognise them if they walked into a room. Um, but how much of that have you given to the reader? And that's a question of kind of layering across several drafts, you know, drawing and drawing and drawing out more, more and more kind of uniqueness about these characters um making sure their voices sound different making sure even that you've got kind of the idiosyncrasies of the way they speak um even making sure they swear differently because I think kind of swearing is very revealing of character all of that um uh that probably doesn't quite you know come together until the final draft and in terms of your previous role as an editor so did that help or did it hinder I think a bit of both I think um I very naively thought at the beginning that it would help me edit my own work um that's absolutely not the case you're so close to the book as the writer um you can't kind of see see the wood for the trees um but I think what it did give me was a sort of understanding of the importance of that editorial relationship of the importance of that editing process um I hate the editing process I find it really hard it's difficult you have to kind of kill a lot of darlings um you sort of remember all the time you spend over those scenes that then have to kind of hit the cutting room floor yeah. um but it's so important that is where the book is made that's where the final you know work is sort of forged and how do you find taking that direction from your editor 
I think um, now that we've, I mean, to be honest, from the beginning, it's been a great relationship. But I think six books in, we've got such a kind of trusting relationship. I'll let her in at a kind of really early stage. So she'll often read the first really raw draft. Um, and and that feels kind of wonderful, you know, letting someone into your head um, and, and, and showing them what you've been working on alone for months. Um, uh, so it's quite an intimate sort of exposing thing, but but it's it's great. It's very creative. And how long is it taking you now to write? Certainly the crime ones, as you said, you're writing them quicker than the historical ones, but generally how long? Generally, um, I would say it takes about a year and that's from kind of first draft to um, final edit. Um, Obviously the book has kind of been with me for a while before I actually start writing, so I sort of let it percolate. Um, The Paris apartment was a slightly funny one as there was a baby in the middle. Oh, really? As you do. (laughs) As you do. So um, I had to eventually tell my editor that the baby was going to come before the book oh really how did that go down (laughs) I mean she was very understanding um but actually it was great I put the book aside for six months I thought you were gonna say put the baby aside for six months I'll be fine um put the book aside for six months um kind of took maternity leave came back to it six months later and I was really nervous because I was like will my brain work in the same way will I be able to do this I've got a lot less time um but actually I think my subconscious had kind of been working away on the book even when I wasn't aware of it um and it felt sort of wonderfully liberating and kind of easy to sort of step back into it um, and things were much clearer actually and I had some ideas for solving sort of plot holes that I'd got into before. So has your writing routine changed now as a result of, of the addition of the new member of the family? Oh absolutely I, I mean I literally don't know what I did with all the time I had before I should have been writing six <laughs> books a year books. I had so much time what was I thinking? As your husband was saying at the at the very first at the start of this interview where he said you're faffing now so just yes. here's the deadline just just do it just you know. Do it. Yeah. So so what are you working on at the moment? So I'm working on another murder mystery. Mm. Um, uh, it almost feels kind of too new and sort of nebulous to talk about, but um, I'm going to some quite dark places in my research. I'm looking at sort of pagan ritual um, in Britain. It's quite quite a lot of fun. Interesting. And <laughs> when will that be out? So that will be out. It sounds like the future, um, but it will be 2024, I believe. Okay, and in the meantime then, a couple of your books have been picked up for for screen. So what's happening there? So really excitingly, I just got the screenplay uh, for The Guest List and it's wonderful. Really? I think she's done such a great job. Um, uh, were you, you weren't involved in writing it? No? no, no. I was very happy to hand it over to someone. But, but to hand it over to someone who just really got the book and wanted to kind of stay true to the essence of the book whilst sort of doing their own thing with it as well, which it kind of needs. You know, it needs to kind of live and breathe on the screen as its own entity really um and yes it's it's just great and if you think the the book was written in sort of 2019 or was published in 2019 and she's just brought it kind of bang up to date um you know it feels like a very 2022 2023 creation um and then the paris apartment has just been picked up for for the big screen and so that's really exciting it's kind of a a dream come true because I was so inspired by film when writing that book, you know, Hitchcock in particular, mm-hmm. Rear Window. Um, so that will just be wonderful. And in terms of the guest list, when will that be filmed? I don't know. I think I think they start as soon as the sort of screenplay is greenlit. Um, 
they get going on it. So. And will it be fil- obviously it was set here, so will it be filmed here? I really hope so. So do yeah. I. Yeah, <laughs> I hope they're not suddenly going to move it to the Catskills or something. That, that wouldn't be cool. Absolutely, we want to make sure that it is, exactly. Definitely. And and also, before I let you go, you were a Reese's book club pick at one point. Now, who's Reese? Tell us who Reese is. Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> I, I love her. I just, I'm so in awe of her. I, I, she actually reads all of the books as if she has time to do that. And um, yeah, that was just a really magical moment that's probably kind of one of my biggest pinch me moments as a, as a writer um uh, the wonderful thing is uh because obviously the states are much later because they're several hours behind um I often wake up to emails from my editor and I wake up to this email just saying Reese is calling in the subject line I was like the the Reese, the Reese. what what's going on so because she only picks one book a month like yes. it's, it's and it's phenomenal that she picked one of yours and she's yeah. something like 2.2 million followers or whatever crazy so. number and yeah. did that help with sales uh yeah it did it did <laughs> um and then that was just a real ride because just you know, being introduced to so many new readers on the other side of the pond and and all of that. But I've never actually seen one of the books on a bookshelf in the States. It's quite weird because of COVID. Yeah, you weren't able to go. To to see that. I think there's a a trip coming up then as a result. Making my case here and now. (laughs) Put it on your plans. Exactly. Lucy Foley, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find all of Lucy's books online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. handle is at Inside Books I-R-E. Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Cleona Plunkett and if you'd like to hear other episodes just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.